The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Amazon Week on the MarTech Podcast. If you're interested in learning about Knit, click the link in our show notes or go to benjshap.com slash knit, that's K-N-I-T, to book a strategy session and I will personally help you set up your first campaign. That's benjshap.com slash knit, K-N-I-T, to start building your audience with Knit. Bringing podcast advertising to the people, that's Knit. This week, we're going to do a deep dive into one of the largest and fastest growing channels in e-commerce and beyond, Amazon. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know about launching, scaling, and optimizing your brand's presence on Amazon. With us today is Adam Weiler, who's the founder of Sunken Stone, which is a performance-based Amazon channel management agency that is a premier Amazon channel partner with over 10 years experience helping e-commerce companies create sustainable success selling on Amazon. So far this week, we've talked with Adam about setting your store up, the general landscape of Amazon, operational and pricing levers, how to do advertising for your Amazon store. And today we're going to focus on how Amazon fits into an omni-channel e-commerce strategy. Here's the fourth installment of Amazon Week with Adam Weiler from Sunken Stone. Adam, welcome back to Amazon Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. We've covered a ton of ground. We talked about the landscape of Amazon. We talked about how to set your pricing, when to discount, how to make sure that your products are getting the most visibility they possibly can using some of Amazon's advertising tools. There's still the notion that people are selling their products on their own stores, brick and mortar, through other retailers, other vendors. How should brands think about where Amazon fits into their overall e-commerce strategy? I think brands are going to be on Amazon whether they want to or not. So they should manage it correctly. And let's look at what correctly means. So the analogy I want to use is a bicycle wheel where the brand is the hub of the wheel and every channel or marketing lever or promotions tool is a spoke of the wheel. Now, a brand might have gotten their start on Instagram or a brand might have gotten their start in Whole Foods because Ben's premium coffee that we've been talking about did some samples and hit the ground hard and got a cult following because they went to a bunch of Whole Foods. That's one spoke on the wheel. Now, 
for that wheel to turn and turn fast, which is the goal, you need more spokes in the wheel. So Ben's Premium Coffee added an Instagram account and they started kicking butt on that. And people are posting themselves drinking coffee. Now I tell brands to look at Amazon as another spoke in the wheel, where if you're doing it well and it's optimized, it's only going to help the other channels and the rest of the wheel turn faster. One of the things that we talked about in an earlier episode was the risk when you're arming your suppliers. So you mentioned the premium coffee brand that we talked about might be in Whole Foods, but maybe I give my product to a distributor, right? Maybe I am listing it on a coffee search site as well. How do I rationalize who I'm giving my products to and what the retail markup is as opposed to what my vendor relationships look like to try to mitigate risk of them reselling on Amazon and becoming a competitor? So this, and I think it's only going to get more chatter in the news, and especially if you've got a brand, this is all you think about. Because that same distributor that's getting you into Whole Foods and is providing you big purchase orders and big checks is also selling to Bob and Joan out of Minnesota, who is then turning around and putting it on Amazon. And they don't want to stop selling to Bob and Joan because Bob and Joan and other resellers like them probably make up 20 or 50% of their total sales because as retail has taken a hit, they've had to make up those revenue dollars somewhere else and they're starting to sell to resellers. So it really is a channel strategy and who controls the power in it. You're a startup brand. You're happy that a distributor takes you on. But if you're a big brand, you might have a little bit of weight to throw around. Let's use UNFI. They are a distributor that sells into Whole Foods and other specialty health stores. Now, if you've already got a deal with UNFI and they're selling your product into Whole Foods and you say, hey, can you stop selling to Bill and Joan over here in Minnesota? They're going to look at you and be like, okay, but we're cutting you off completely. And you have to make that business decision. Do you want to be out of Whole Foods? Or are you okay just giving up on the Amazon channel as far as turning it into a profitable channel? Okay. So I understand the conundrum that brands can be in where they want these large distributor relationships, but they also want to control the competition that is selling their products on Amazon. So what's the recommendation that you have to balance managing your prices on Amazon and not decreasing the value of your product? and also securing those large brick-and-mortar type vendor relationships? There's a couple of things. One is start before you make those agreements. So if UNFI is trying to court you and saying, oh, we love your product, this is great coffee, we want it, you have some power then to say, hey, I care about my brand. You're not allowed to sell it to resellers. If I tell you to shut people off, you have to. And they might agree to that upfront. Once the cat's out of the bag and you've already got a signed agreement with them, you can't really tell them to do anything. They'll tell you to pound sand. That's the first thing is do it proactively before you get in a bad situation. Once the cat's out of the bag, once there are resellers that have access to your product and are starting to sell it for lower margins than what you would, is there any way to put the genie back in the bottle? Yes. And it is a hundred times harder than just going in with a clean slate. Some things that you can do are You have to figure out where your leaks are coming from. So let's say you see your coffee on Amazon. You've been selling it for $30 for forever. And all of a sudden, Bob and Jeannie's coffee shop shows up one day and it's $20. And they've got quite a bit of it. 
the first thing you do, you call your distributor. Hey, who is Bob and Jeannie? And they're probably going to say, I don't know. Well, then you have to make some business decisions. Do you want to start playing tough with that distributor? Do you want to potentially cut them off? I think it's going to happen where some smart distributors are going to come in the game and you'll be able to pick and choose who they could sell to and you'll get full visibility. That hasn't happened yet. That's a goal. If anyone runs a distributor and wants to take this on and partner up and kind of run this the right way, let me know. But until then, what you can do from a manufacturing standpoint are a couple things. You could start labeling and marking your products. So you have a suspicion, Bob and Jeannie, is this customer out of here? You could mark your products and people do it with invisible ink, like UV ink, and they'll do test buys on Amazon. And if the stuff matches up, they know where the leak is coming from. So we're we're getting into like spy techniques of invisible ink marking products to understand who your vendors are and what the channel is. I love it. You might think this is insane. So real world scenario, we've managed these scenarios where it's hundreds of thousands of lost sales for a brand. And I can spot brands that are losing millions of lost margin or lost sales because of these situations. For a small brand, it might be a couple of units. But as your brand grows, these are the big brand problems. And once you kind of get into these situations, it's hard to undo that mess. Memo to the guy selling the invisible ink, raise your prices. (laughs) (laughs) So what they want to protect is counterfeits in the market. And Amazon has rolled this tool out called transparency that can allow a brand to monitor digitally where your product is going as long as everyone plays fair. So you know how you go buy your coffee and it has one UPC code and all the codes are the same no matter where it's being sold? Mm -hmm. Well, transparency is actually a unique code per product. So if you've got a million bags of coffee that you're selling, each of the million bags has a unique QR code. So you have a million different labels that need to get applied to the bags that then when you are sending some units to Whole Foods, you scan, let's say Whole Foods ordered 100,000 of those, you scan 100,000 labels, and you know those 100,000 numbers went to Whole Foods. So that way, if it shows up on Amazon, you do a test order, and one of those numbers hits to Whole Foods, you know Whole Foods is leaking that product. If it's going to UNFI, you scan 100,000 of those labels and vice versa. So If your warehouse can do this, this is a way to track digitally. And it's a good way to kind of monitor the channels. There's more operational costs, but it is the right way. And it's the only thing that's 100% foolproof so far. So we started this conversation talking about the overall place that Amazon has in the omni-channel marketing strategy. I understand that you can potentially create risk by giving suppliers your products and they can come on to selling on Amazon. But let's say you're managing your supplier relationships and you're building relationships where nobody is trying to undercut the price of your product. There's also the idea that if you sell on your own website, that you're going to have higher margins than if you go through Amazon because they charge you a fee for selling your product. And there's also the shipping component as well. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. 
Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How do you recommend brands prioritize selling on Amazon as opposed to promoting their own domain? Or what are some of the other e-commerce channels that they might prioritize? Selling on eBay, for example. How do you rationalize where to make an investment when you're thinking about retail, you're thinking about Amazon, other e-commerce players, and then selling directly? It's not website or Amazon. It's website and Amazon. It has to be omni-channel. It has to be everywhere because that maximizes the number of places a user can purchase, but it has to be managed the right way. So I'm not saying to have Amazon undercut your website. I'm saying to have them match and price parity across that. But some customers are just Amazon customers. They're never going to go to your website. They're never going to give you their credit card information or their email. They want it on Amazon. They want it prime. I will always start my product searches. Even if I see it on a website, I'll go to Amazon and see if it's there. I'll even pay a premium on Amazon to get it from Amazon because I've got my credit card info stored. I've got some rewards points. So you're never going to get that customer. So you might as well be on Amazon. At the same time, their customers who will go on Amazon, do their product research, and then jump over to the website and see if it's a better deal, or they see if they can get a coupon, or they just like buying from the manufacturer because they know they get a better warranty or the customer service is better. Now, because of that, you're able to harness that momentum to rank for more generic keywords that you would have never ranked for typically, and then create a new customer that would have never seen you. So you have someone looking for Ben's coffee. They're going over to Amazon because they don't like your website. You use Squarespace or Wix or something, and it's not converting well. And they go over to Amazon. They're buying that coffee. But then you have someone looking for premium coffee, like a fresh customer who would have never heard of Ben's premium coffee. They're typing in premium coffee. You advertised on that. They're clicking on it, on that sponsor product ad. Then they're buying on Amazon, and then they might eventually go to your website. Once they see the coffee, you've got nice packaging. You've got an insert in your packaging telling them to register for your auto shipments. So you have to be everywhere because the benefits of it, it's going to raise all ships. You're not going to cannibalize your website sales. It's only going to increase. So I understand that your point is 
there are some people that are just going to be Amazon customers and having a placement there opens you up to a potentially new audience. And there are some people who prefer to buy directly from the manufacturers because there's value added services like how you're going to do your packaging, for example. I think my question is more focused on how do you prioritize where to invest your advertising dollars? Let's say I have an omni-channel strategy. I have my vendor relationships pushing my product out to brick and mortar. I have my placement on Amazon and I sell directly to consumers. My assumption is I'm going to have the highest margins if I am the direct seller because then I'm not paying any Amazon fees. Why wouldn't I be pumping all of my marketing dollars into selling directly as opposed to selling on Amazon? So yes, your margin will be better on your own website, right? You're paying just credit card fees versus Amazon fees and shipping and all that stuff. But you have to factor in conversion rate on Amazon versus a normal website. A conversion rate on Amazon for products can be up to 35% versus a traditional e-commerce conversion rate, which 3% is you're killing it. 1% is typically standard. And then customer acquisition. Because the eyeballs are already on Amazon, you're kind of just steering them. Like if someone's on Amazon, they're looking to buy versus going on the website and browsing. So instead of return on ad spend as a metric, I would beg brands to look at ad spend as a percentage of total sales. I think that's the metric that looks better. Yes, you might be getting a three to one return on ad spend on your website and a two to one on Amazon, but then you're getting all these organic sales on Amazon that you don't even have to pay for. So take your total sales, how much are you spending overall, and then do the same thing on your website and then prioritize those. I would take that percentage and use that as our leading indicator or KPI to drive up where our marketing dollars are being spent. I have three observations. First, the underlying assumption that I made is that, well, you must be having higher margins being the seller of record as opposed to seller on Amazon. That's not necessarily true. Logistics is not cheap. So there is the possibility that paying for the shipping, hiring somebody to manage the inventory, doing everything internally is more expensive than selling on Amazon. I don't think that's generally the case, but it's not a guarantee that selling on Amazon is more expensive than selling the products yourselves because you got to pack the boxes and you got to ship them. And unless you're selling in bulk, that shipping can be expensive. So let's just be honest about the underlying premise. I think the other things to think about is, A, you might have a higher ROI selling to your brand, but volume is really a big consideration as well. And that's what you're talking about, the difference between looking at ROI on ad spend as opposed to a percentage of sales. At the end of the day, I might be making $10 per unit selling on my website, but if I could sell 1,000 units on Amazon and 10 units on my website, what I care about is bulk amount of profit, not the percentage of ROI, right? I want to take home the maximum possible dollars. And even if I'm selling at lower margins, sometimes volume can counteract that. Exactly. I think really what it comes down to is what do you have to invest when you mention conversion rates, that if I have to invest... 10x the amount on Amazon to drive a sale that I do on to drive my website. You know, Amazon has higher conversion rates, but if I can spend less to drive somebody that is going to be my customer that I can continue to remarket to, this gets into it depends what your product is. If you have something that could be a subscription, hey, getting somebody to your website and selling in that repeat mechanism could be more valuable than selling on Amazon. If you're a once in a lifetime purchase, Amazon might be the best channel for you, and you don't have to deal with the extra logistics. 100%. And especially if you're selling coffee, which is addictive, 
knowing your lifetime value or knowing what that customer is worth to you, I would spend break even, I would spend the entire amount to acquire that customer, knowing that they're going to come back and buy more coffee from you because they love it. It's great coffee. It's got caffeine in it. And there's also the idea of if you have a product that's a lost leader and you're trying to build a recurring revenue stream, right? A subscription type model. I don't think Amazon has a great product. There's the subscribe and save, and there's some stuff that Amazon can set up to be a repeat buyer. But continuing your relationship at the end of the day, building a customer relationship that's going to be lasting where you're going to communicate with the customer over a long period of time, probably something that's better to own driving traffic to your website. If you're a once in a lifetime purchase or once in a blue moon purchase, being on Amazon is the best place for you. Just to put a bow on that too. It used to be brands were looking to make money on every sale, especially with the replenishable item. And now they're using Amazon as that customer acquisition tool to get people to try their brand, especially if it's a replenishable item, get them in the door at break even or even lose a little bit, but you're going to have that relationship with the customer and that's worth it over their lifetime. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Adam for joining us. If you'd like more of Adam's tips for building an effective strategy on Amazon, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning when we talk about the future of the Amazon platform. If you can't wait until our next episode, and you'd like to get in touch with Adam from Sunken Stone, you can click on the link in our show notes to his bio, or you can visit his website, sunkenstone.com. That's S-U-N-K-E-N-S. T-O-N-E.com. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the Martech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we built benjshap.com slash question where you could submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. And of course, you can always reach out on social media. My personal handle is benjshap, that's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Amazon week, we've got some great episodes lined up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.